Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to episode 44 of the Banished to the Pen podcast. The audio component of the website Banished to the Pen, the group baseball blog for fans of the Effectively Wild podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am not Ryan Sullivan, the Baron of All Baseball podcasts, but he will return the next time. I am Brandon Lee, utility player for Banished to the Pen. And this week, we're joined by a couple of returning people uh, who I'm really excited to have on, including Matt Trueblood from Suburban Minneapolis. Hello, Matt. Hey there. Hey, Matt, what have you been up to, and uh, where can people find you on the interwebs? I've been writing and attempting to survive having three kids for ages four and under. Um, that, you can find me. That's, that's, that, it's, <laughs> quite an, it's quite an accomplishment, Matt. Yeah. Well, we'll see if I achieve it first. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at M.A. Trueblood, slowly trying to uh, wean myself off of my unintentional addiction to hot takes, and on BaseballPerspectus.com. Uh, also, I'll be in the BP Annual, which is coming out shortly, and the Lindy's Baseball Preview magazine, you know, ah. in grocery stores and stuff. Oh, wow. I used to love the Lindy's cool. Baseball the Lindy's baseball magazine. Um, all right, I'm. I know we'll talk about that. We will get. We will get to that. Uh, follow Matt on on Twitter. Uh, I love his hot takes. Um, we've also got uh, that other voice that you've heard is Scott Kushner of Hackensack, New Jersey. Hi, Scott. Close. So it's Hackettstown. How you doing? Hackettstown. Nope. Not okay. Hackensack, like the game. O- oh my o- goodness. Often confused. Not, sorry. Not a problem. Uh, it's okay. S- sorry to Hackettstown, New Jersey. <laughs> it's um, right. I don't. I don't. I haven't really been to Hackensack, so I don't know whether uh, Hackettstown would take offense to that or not. But <laughs> is that, uh, not, wait, not a just, problem. I just want to confirm: Is Hackensack a real city? It is. Hack, there is oh, a yeah. Hackensack, New Jersey. Oh wow! You didn't, you didn't just pull that out of the ether. Wow, that, that that exists. I, I did. I pulled that out of my subconscious, where I yes. must have heard it at some yes. point. But Scott, think, hi. What have you been? Hi, up to? how are you? How are you? <laughs> have you been, what have you been up to? Where can people find you on the internet? Well, you can find me on the internet on uh, on Twitter. I'm sl underscore Kush. Um, I also am the uh, the head coach at Centenary College for the baseball team there. And uh, if you want to follow our team Twitter account, it is CC Baseball. Fantastic! Fantastic. All right, so let's. Uh, I, I want to get it. I want to get it started off uh, by talking about the big MLB news from the week. Uh, we had some, uh, you know, the 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 free agent signings have kind of rolled over from December into the new year, and some uh, some pretty big ones actually uh, actually came through this week. Um, Chris Davis staying with. The Orioles, Justin Upton going to the Tigers, Ian Kennedy to the Royals, and Yoana Suspides on a kind of fun contract uh, staying with the Mets. Uh, let's start off with you, Matt. Uh, are there any one of these that kind of, uh, that kind of stick out to you um, or are particularly interesting? Yeah, well, like you said, Yo's is the most fun. Um it's just really interesting to see a player embrace the idea that we all kind of want to see people try sometimes of what could you get on a short-term deal. You know, if, if you were willing to not lock up those eight years of security while you can or whatever, what's really out there for people? And I think to an extent, Suspedis' market was dented, so we don't, you know, and we don't know how much of that was in play and how much of it was really the enticement of what the Mets gave him. 
but that's a cool contract. You know, it's 375 and sort of front loaded. So if he opts out, he gets 27 and a half million. That's a huge number. And he's back in free agency next year, just trying to beat two and 47.5. You know, if he has a good year, that's going to be cake. So it's really fascinating and, and sort of an extension, or I guess the most extreme case of what we've seen all winter with teams using opt-outs and sort of non-monetary incentives wherever they can to stop or slow the inflation of pre-agent prices. Right. And, you know, one of the things that has kind of been floated around this offseason is kind of putting a, putting a dollar value on the opt-out. So, uh, you know, for Jason Hayward, Jason Hayward having the opt-out come after uh, three years, that then that opt-out is worth a certain amount of money. So having an opt-out after one year, that's that's probably even more than having the opt-out come later in the contract, right? I think so, yeah. I, I'm, you know, this isn't my strong point of analysis, the sort of financial side stuff, but it does seem to me that the earlier in the contract, the opt-out, the more favorable it probably is for the player, um, just because he's got, less likelihood of something going wrong in the meantime. And uh, especially given what we expect, which I think is that the next CBA is going to be more favorable to free agents than this one is, um, that probably hitting the market again in a year or two or even three is a good thing. Uh, Hayward's is probably different because I, I tend to think that having two opt-outs, rather than sort of adding the value of those individually, you almost have to multiply them. You know, because there, mm. the, there's that extra security in having the second chance to to jump into the market if you want to. But yeah, that's the idea, and I think I think a one year opt out is clearly just all kinds of good things for the player. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Scott, what what? How are you feeling about the the free agent signings this week? Uh, you're an A's fan. Um, you know, Jonas Cespedes, <laughs> former A, um, but right. uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that they were going to be seen as players on either on on these players. But uh, what do you, how do, how do you feel about the signings? Well, I mean, I think being an A's fan or, or just you know, kind of being a fan of Cespedes since he came up as an A, uh, I didn't think the A's were going to be involved in it. But I do, I do have an, a special affinity for him. I know that at times he he kind of gets the the overrated label. But uh, but obviously last year was either a coming out party or an aberration, and I think between the contract that they just signed, uh, it kind of buys both of them an opportunity to uh, both both Cespedes and the Mets an opportunity to figure out which which it was, you know, because if he if he delivers that kind of performance or even something similar to it over over the next year or two, uh, assuming that he if he doesn't take the opt out, then the Mets have got themselves quite a player. Um, and if he does take the opt out, then you know they haven't made any kind of long term buy into a guy who maybe did have an aberration of a year. Um, I can I can tell you this in terms of the you know you're talking about the non monetary. Um, value and obviously the opt-out is one i'm gonna go ahead and say the avocados is not one of them here because <laughs> being on the east coast and the northeast it is very hard to find quality avocados so uh either cespedes is not an avocado fan or uh he just really likes that opt-out because that's that's not a factor right now <laughs> you know that could uh not not that i was looking into moving to the east coast but you know that 
that could be a deciding factor. Availability it's my of it's my favorite food, and it pains me every day when I go to the grocery store and see poor looking avocados for two dollars each. Um, it's very disappointing. Just oh. so maybe that gives you pause on your before your move. Yikes! I'm sorry, Scott. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> uh, um, I feel like Kennedy's Ian Kennedy signing with the with the Royals that was that seemed like the most surprising in the sense of uh, of dollars and years at, at, at first glance, at first glance. You see that figure, uh, $70 million over five years, I think it was. And uh, it, 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 was, it was just a little surprising to me because I, I had, on an earlier edition of this podcast, I had picked Ian Kennedy to take the qualifying offer, and this gets him a lot more money than the qualifying offer. Um, but uh, Scott... Uh, just start off with you real quick. Did you have uh, did did you have a, an instant reaction to the Kennedy signing, and and has that kind of changed in in the few days since? I mean, my my reaction is is surprise, I think, like like most people. Uh, but I guess I guess I've kind of gotten to the point where uh, I, you know you talked about being a fan, and and I I have put Billy Bean in that that area of. I don't have to second guess him. I mean, he's had some very questionable moves over the last couple of years, but he's he's earned a bit of of leniency as far as I'm concerned. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him run with it, and I think Dayton Moore probably deserves that as well at this point. Uh, he's he's been able to obviously turn the Royals into World Series champions. Um, hardly seems like something I should be second guessing. Uh, it is it is surprising, no doubt. It'll be interesting to see kind of what his role is, not necessarily right away. I mean, I think he, I, I suppose he fits into their starting rotation, but but is that kind of what their plan is over the length of his contract? Um, you know, can they can they get him to be uh, to outperform the contract and flip him? I don't know about all that because I think I think the I mean, even though the contract was much greater than I would have expected, and probably many others did. Uh, I don't think it would be very difficult to kind of revive him and turn him into somebody who might be seen as a as a value at that at that amount. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Matt, how do you feel about that Kennedy deal? You know, I obviously don't really think it was a good deal. Uh, Kennedy really isn't a good pitcher. What he is is durable, <laughs> and what the deal is is a fit for this Royals uh, sort of paradigm that they've shaped over the last few winters. They signed Omar Infante for four years and $40 million. then Jason Vargas for four years and $32 million. and Kennedy sort of completes the set. And what I see when I look at it is there, whereas last winter the Red Sox kind of got some pub for going with slightly shorter deals than you might have expected for Hanley Ramirez and Pablo Sandoval and even Rick Porcello when they did his extension. Uh, slightly shorter deals at a higher annual average value. And the idea was they were going to keep long-term flexibility, not commit to anybody until they were like 36, and in so doing avoid that bad downslope you know, at the back end of the deal. The Royals are basically saying that they think the opposite is the right idea, that they would rather pay over more years less money per year to keep their flexibility year to year in their budget. Uh, and it's interesting, and I, I think it's it might just be the smarter way to do things, at least given the Royals market and given the current rule set in Major League Baseball, you know, in terms of luxury tax and 
you know, manipulating you know where the free agent market sits and all of that. So that's that's what I saw when I looked at the team. All right, all right, cool. Um, who's who's the next uh, who's the next domino to fall? There are still there's still some free agents out there. Uh, who can help teams. Spring training is coming up in a few weeks, though, uh, for pitchers and catchers anyway. Um, but uh, who is the next kind of name guy to to come off the board, Matt? Probably, I'm going to say probably Howie Kendrick, just because we're hearing his name more. There doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be much of any buzz around Dexter Fowler. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too bad. I like Dex. Yeah. So do I. I think Fowler probably should be the next guy in line. But, um, you know, they're both in pretty tough little in-between spaces. I think they've each been looking for longer-term deals, maybe three, four years. And they're probably going to have to settle for one or two in the long run. I don't know who's going to give that to them. I don't know when it's going to come. I hope they're not going to end up in that purgatory where Stephen Drew and Kendrys Morales lived for a little while. I don't think they will, but I think Kendrick's going to come down fairly soon. Fowler really might have to wait until something changes. Some Maybe the trade market kind of loosens up now that the biggest names are off the board and free agency and teams have fewer alternatives that they want to explore. Something's going to have to move to create the space, the perfect fit for Fowler, whereas I think there are a couple of those for Kendrick that could materialize right away. Mm-hmm. Uh Scott, who's your next domino to fall? Yeah, so I sort of th- see things the uh, the flip of what what Matt just said. Um, you know, it seems like just recently we saw Upton go, we saw Cespedes go. It kind of clears the path for Fowler, who is you know the kind of the next outfielder in line. He, he's still young enough, he's nimble enough to still be a viable center fielder. He's not going to be as expensive as those other two guys were. So I think if if you had some suitors who missed out on on Upton or Cespedes, and maybe that's where all the focus was, and now they can kind of reestablish, you know, you know, um, gather together and say, all right, well, Fowler is maybe the next bet, and uh, and see a little bit of a frenzy after him. I, I can't imagine he's going to last too much longer. Um, just just because he he does kind of fit the the bill as as the clearly the next choice for an outfielder. Yeah. All right, so Scott, we're we're in the new year. It's 2016. Uh, colleges are are back in session now, but for you that means that it's it's about time for for baseball season to start. Um, what what are some of the preparation things that you're going through right now to uh, to get ready for games? When do the games start? And uh, and uh, you know you're yeah. I remember you had mentioned last year that you're you're gonna start doing practices in a gym. Yeah. So uh, well, we just got we just got pummeled by a, a rather severe uh, snowstorm, and we start practice in one week. So oh. you can imagine it's not very conducive to playing baseball right now. Um, it's going to be quite a while till all that snow melts. So we have access to a basketball gym in you know in our athletic building, and and fortunately the it's not just a gym floor. There's a there's a, a recessed batting cage in there. We actually have some uh, astroturf mat that we can roll out. Uh, we have indoor mounds. We have a lot of things that make it available to you know practicing your baseball skills, but. At the end of the day, you're still talking about a basketball court. Hardly, hardly something that you're going to truly simulate a full baseball game. You can still get that pitcher batter matchup in the uh, the batting cage. Uh, you can still have pitchers throwing bullpens. 
but you know my outfielders are getting fly balls by me throwing them to them in artificial lit space that you know they have about 70 feet to run in so and and i can't imagine it's very tall very high right no no uh no no no, exactly i mean basically they're just working on the footwork uh, um you know and tracking the ball trying to make sure that the you know the the technique that they're using is, is sound but there's there's obviously something very different about a ball that's that's hit 150 feet in the air uh, with wind, with a great deal of speed and room to run, and you have to communicate with other outfielders. Very different than you know, hey, watch out, don't run into the bleachers. <laughs> so uh, we we even we kind of use the bleachers a little bit for fun. We'll we'll sometimes I'll try and uh, throw arcing fly balls that are just about to go into the bleachers, which are recessed, and the guys will have to kind of climb the wall and rob home runs, that sort of thing. <laughs> but it, it, it does get old after a while, so we're, we're constantly looking for, for new and innovative ways to, to practice our skills and keep things fresh. Uh, um, you know, this time of year, in, in addition to the weather playing, you know, havoc with us, uh, we, we don't have a lot of time to prepare until our first game. So our first practice is, is February 1st. Our first games are scheduled for February 27th, which is always a little ambitious to try and play in February in the Northeast. But wow. we've, we've done it before, and we'll, we'll try and do it again. Um, but this is a time for us to really – I meet with my coaching staff. I have two new assistant coaches this year, and so I bring them in not only to, to help you know, and be an extra uh, set of eyes, but with their ideas, you know, the programs that they've come from and their baseball background to, to try and bring some fresh, fresh – uh, ideas and, and things that we can implement with a team. So um, this is also time, actually last week was the uh, the baseball convention for, for coaches. It's called the American Baseball Coaches Association uh, convention. They do it actually the same place where they do the winter meetings. The week after the winter meetings is always the uh, the coaches convention. Oh, cool. So out in, Na- out in Nashville. Um, and uh, and that is, you know, you got some baseball luminaries will come and they'll, they'll talk about a variety of subjects. You know, you might, you might hear, uh, you know, every once in a while they'll have a, a former major leaguer or current major leaguer come, or, uh, I know Tony LaRue has been a guest speaker before. I think last year it was, um, it was actually, uh, Ned Yost. So you get some managers that come out, but then a lot of times it's, it's successful college coaches from a variety of places throughout the country who will speak sometimes big universities, sometimes tiny, tiny little community colleges but they all have kind of their area of expertise that they'll speak on and it just get, it gets the brain percolating with ideas and uh so we we sat down last week and discussed uh, you know what we want to do how we want to implement practices uh, what what do we want to really emphasize to our players and uh kind of establish some themes that aren't just necessarily baseball skills but also uh, a mentality or an approach and strategy uh, so that they know kind of what our line of thinking is and get some buy-in from the players yeah for sure uh you know without giving away you know uh the the secrets that you're going to use this season um are there are are there things that you're thinking about implementing that might be you know kind of a, a new idea or something that deviates a little from from how you've done it in the past uh, well, we're, we're definitely going to deviate a little bit. Uh, part of it is just I always have to adapt by personnel. So, uh, you know, if I am a, a, a coach who likes to run on the bases a lot, that's great and all as long as I have players who have a little bit of speed. But if I have a bunch of slugs, it doesn't really make for a very sound strategy to, you know, try and get the 
the motion every time we get a guy on first. Um, so this year, what we have is a very young and inexperienced team. Uh, we just graduated 19 players last wow. year, which is a, an enormous senior class. Yeah. And how many? How many on the roster? We had last year. We had 42. 40, 42 was the lowest roster. I, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So we had 42 last year, which is the, the largest. Roster that I ever had this year that I mean, Nike graduated. I was able to bring in some of that back with, with freshmen, but uh, right now we're at 32 players, wow. so it's not we're not nearly as um, as we were a year ago. And that's not just in terms of numbers, that's also in terms of experience. A lot of those seniors who graduated were starters when they were freshmen or sophomores and had you know three or four years of experience coming in. So uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna be green, we're gonna make some mistakes. That, that rookies tend to do, and, uh, and we're not physically imposing as we once were. So we're, we're basically, um, when you have a team that is a veteran group that, you know, is kind of big enough, strong enough, fast enough to, to go toe-to-toe with your opponents, it, you can be a little more hands-off. You can, you can take that Ned Yost approach of, all right, you guys go and play baseball, and I'll just write out the lineup card. Um, this year, I think we're going to, because we're young, because we, I think, are physically at a disadvantage, it's going to take a lot more guidance and, and kind of um, being a little bit more of a micromanager on, on my end without getting in the way of the players. And that's that's where the, the difficulty lies is how much is too much. But um, specifically, things that we're looking at, uh, you know, and if my other conference coaches are, are listening somehow, then I guess I'm giving away a little bit of the secret sauce. <laughs> it's not that big of a secret. But, you know, uh, rather than be overly aggressive, we're going to be looking to, quite honestly, get hit by a lot of pitches. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to try and really hover over that plate. Um, we're going to practice on how to wear a pitch, uh, which, you know, uh, you, you kind of think, oh, I mean, come on, you get hit by a pitch. But there's there's a lot of there's a lot of pitches over the course of a season that could potentially hit a batter that the batter's you know natural survival instincts tell them to get out of the way before you you know you get a concussion. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm not trying to concuss any of my players, but we are <laughs> trying to make sure that you know if, if hey if we can get it to brush the jersey, get it to brush the jersey. Um, you know if it's slightly over the edge of the plate, but you can kind of roll into it. That's something that you got to be able to do. And it's not necessarily just to get hit, but it's to make the pitchers uncomfortable throwing inside. Uh, it's to kind of cut off half of the plate so that they have to work on the middle away so that we can now focus as hitters to look middle away. So it's it's a little bit of a cat and mouse game where, you know, if we're on top of the plate and and you know they go inside and they hit us and we get free base runners out of that maybe that actually ends up leading them to pitch the ball where we want to hit it and that's going middle away uh you know the the counter to our strategy would be to throw inside and to you know get strikes as opposed to hit by pitches so there's you know that that is very possible as well or if we're not being successful hitting those middle away pitches if we try and pull those pitches then their shortstops are getting a lot of action yeah for sure um so you're going to start – so you start playing – you start the, the games in, in late February. Um, and, then right. and then your season runs – presumably by the end of the season, the weather is a little better, right? Marginally, yes. <laughs> yes, we uh, – <laughs> our, our season runs till early May. 
and uh, and in early May, you know, kind of determines. But by that point, you determine whether you've made your conference playoffs or not. We do a double elimination tournament in our conference, uh, which is the Colonial States Athletic Conference. And then if if you win your, the conference, then you get to go into the NCAA tournament, which for Division Three uh, culminates in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. Oh, Appleton, not that far. So, okay. uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. Yes. So, uh, so our our season is a forty season, and so we, we you know you do that in a little over two months. So it, it's a lot of baseball in a short amount of time, and you know you do that while balancing classwork and those sorts of things. So um, it it can be a challenge, but fortunately for us, our conference is is pretty local. We don't ever have to go beyond a couple hours for for our conference games. So it's. Uh, it's something that we're, we're constantly trying to strike that balance between being a, a student and being an athlete. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anything, any specific thing that you're particularly excited about uh, this coming season? Well, just to see how, how the young guys progress. I mean, it, the start of every season is all about you know, potential. Or we could do this. We could do that. And, uh, and so right now there's a lot of young players who uh, they could they could go a number of different directions. And so to actually see them compete at the college level, I think is always going to be interesting. Um, the other part, you know, as I mentioned, we had such a veteran group before that for the last few years, I haven't had to be uh, so involved with, you know, the pitch to pitch. Yes, I call the sign, you know, I, I, I signs in and I, um, you know, I run our, our offense typically. Our pitching coach runs our, our, our pitch calling. But uh, there's been a little bit more of a laissez-faire attitude over the last couple of years. And now with the younger group, I, I, I'm kind of excited to get back into um, moving all the pieces myself a little bit. And, and that'll be fun. Um, you know, one thing that I think I, I had mentioned to you before we, we started recording was that um, – I'm I'm very open to doing some some unique things. Uh, I've in the past we've we've run four man outfields, uh, just completely eliminate middle uh, uh, second baseman. We've um, we use like quarterback um, sign cards on our on our forearms for to run our offense. Hmm. So you know I'm not over there touching my nose and ear and chest and belt. <laughs> I'm actually just calling out, you know, numbers, colors, letters, any any variety of things, and uh, to to and that can that can communicate a whole variety of of what I what I want a batter to do, what I want a runner to do, um, combinations of things that I want to do, trick plays that I want to run. So it's it's you know I'm always constantly looking for for some new angles on the game, especially when you know when you have a, a team that from a talent perspective is is tip, typically. Uh, you know, we're we're going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage. So one thing that I had done in the past was I actually emailed um, Ben and Sam to to kind of open up the effectively wild community to crowdsource different strategies that might be effective uh, at at the Division three level. And we don't have the we don't have the statistical. Uh, I mean, you can look up our stats. Kind of the more traditional stats online. Uh, they keep you know box scores and game by game stuff for us and for for any other college team. Uh, but but Baseball Reference isn't exactly putting together pages for us or anything uh, yet. But no, not yet. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yes, yet. <laughs> but. Uh... So I opened it up to them and said, hey, is this something that you guys might be interested in doing? You know, I'm, I have 
security. I'm not, you know, no one's pressuring me to win the national championship or else. So, hey, if I, if I make, you know, experimenting and it doesn't work, I'll, I think I'll be okay. Uh, and they had actually responded and said, hey, you know, great idea. We can't respond to this right now, but you'll see why soon. And shortly after that is when they announced that they would be actually taking over the Stompers. So they'd be running their own experiment and writing a book about it. Um, so, okay, I, I respect their their willingness to pass on it. Uh-huh. But I, I actually am open to hearing what – what you know, the effectively wild and and base, banished to the pen uh, community, you know, at large has to say. And um, you know, uh, forgive me if this just sounds like, hey guys, can you help me with my fantasy team? Because nobody likes nobody likes hearing about other people's fantasy teams. But maybe a little bit of ownership from from that community uh, can can help me, and and they can enjoy it as well. You know, so, uh, this I imagine this will make a very fun and entertaining thread in the. Uh in either the Banished to the Pen or Effectively Wild Facebook groups? Well, I hope so. And I, and I, I genuinely, I mean, I reserve the right to reject someone's uh, <laughs> of recommendations. Of course. You know, uh, this isn't but, binding. This isn't binding. No, no, it's not binding. But I, I, I genuinely uh, do mean that I'm open to any and all ideas. And, and I really don't have a problem trying it out and having some fun with it. And and we record we we do usually video of our games when possible. Uh, so if anybody wants to see their wacky strategy in action, uh, we we could probably post video of it as well. Do are any of your games uh, available for streaming? Or uh, yeah, uh, or, I know that they do. Yeah. They do try and do that. Um, it's it really does vary by location. So some of the locations that we we play, uh, depending on what the setup is there. They may not have either a good vantage point for which to to video or you know, the electrical capabilities to do it. This year, we're actually moving to a different field. We don't have a field on campus, which is yet another nice, interesting challenge that we have to face uh, in addition to the weather. But uh, we we found a field uh, locally. It's about 10 minutes away that we'll be using, and it doesn't have, like, electricity there. So we're probably going to be running our video camera and our stat um, software off of a, a gas-powered generator. Oh, wow. So okay. not necessarily <laughs> not necessarily going to be, uh, you know, uh, this, is, this is not Florida State. Uh, right. We, you know, we, we are um, – but, but there are some places that we will do streaming or – a lot of times it's at the schools that we're, when we're on the road, uh, a lot of those schools will sometimes have streaming capabilities. So uh, our website, uh, if you go to Centenary, centenarycyclones.com is the athletics website overall. And you can just select baseball. And usually on our schedule page, you'll see a little you know video icon if, if, if there's going to be streaming available. Ah, that's awesome. That's awesome. This is uh, – it's really going to, um, to uh, spur interest in uh... – in uh, the Colonial States Athletic Conference. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it'd be great. Let's, let's crash a few websites by having the uh, putting the power of of Banished to the Pen and Effectively Wild on on their servers. Fantastic, fantastic. How do you feel about this season? Like, you have like half over half of your team uh, is freshmen. I think uh, this has freshman. potential to be one of the rough. Uh, uh, yeah, yes, and not just half my team, but like I mean, we had we had some studs on the team last year. Um, yeah, yeah, we had the Player of the Year in the conference. We had our first All American. Uh, almost my entire pitching staff is gone. Um, yeah, I you know it's it's. Uh, I'll put it this way: I'd say this is this is the kind of team where if I get them to the playoffs, then then they have far exceeded my expectations, and and probably uh, will. And have... you get Manager of the Year. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, although. <laughs> 
It, it's a political game there. I, I did that with my old group. When they were sophomores, we, we went to the playoffs and actually upended one of the teams in front of us and, and eliminated them. And he and the coach that was there, who's a long time, you know, kind of a old boys coach, he got manager of the year. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go, 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 go figure. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, no, it's – this this could be a, a rough a rough year record wise. I think the important thing is going to be, um, you know, trying to keep spirits up and and kind of focus on doing things the right way and not letting a win or a loss determine whether, you know, whether we should continue. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah. right. hopefully, hopefully that's the case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott, do any of the do any of the player or have any of the players who have come through Centenary, uh, especially in the last you know, in, in your most recent graduating class, um, have, have they signed on with, uh, with pro teams, either, uh, major league affiliated or indie? We had a, a player get drafted back in 1996. Um, that was, uh, I'm not sorry, not 96, 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Cole Kimball. He actually pitched for the Washington nationals oh, cool. and he, he, unfortunately, as many pitchers and relievers who throw hard do, he blew out his arm, um, trying to make a couple comebacks. I think most recently with the Yankees, but, um, you know, I think his, his professional days kind of petered out within the last year or two. And, uh, so he's, he's the most recent guy that has, has done anything baseball wise, um, professionally. Uh, a few of our players have opportunities to go and play independent ball mm-hmm. or play mm-hmm. internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of times it's one of those things where do you want to begin your career on something that might last you know for the rest of your life or the next 10 20 years or do you want to hang on to baseball for a couple more years and make you know below minimum wage um just for the thrill of the game and i think you know i think all of us kind of deep down we're like oh yeah we'd love to keep playing and get paid for it but i think some of the guys when they when they're actually faced with that decision plus their their mounting college debt decide you know what i better go get that paycheck right 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 right. because that's from what i recall centenary's not a scholarship school right no division three you're not allowed to give athletic scholarships so um while while many student athletes do uh get scholarship academically uh you know they, you know, Mike Trout could have wanted to come to Centenary College, and I couldn't have given him a nickel for it. For 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 baseball, for, though, for if he baseball, wanted, if he wanted to, if he wanted to major in weather sciences, perhaps he. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, that's not one of our big majors, but uh, I'm sure they would start it up for him if they wanted to. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, so again, I mean, they can, they can earn a pretty significant, uh, academic scholarship from the school, but they would be competing with any other student for that money. It's not something that the baseball coach that, that I would even be allowed to discuss with anyone. Yeah. Um, you know, me making a call on their behalf to say, Hey, this guy should get a bigger, bigger scholarship would be, would be a violation of the NCAA. Uh, this right. just occurred to me. Did you scout trout? When he was in high school, were you? No, no, I, 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 I very well could have. There's, there's kind of different levels and different circles, and um, I'm sure I was at some events with him. But when you're, when you're at a, a thing like that, um, usually the, the kids that are that high caliber, who are like kind of clear major leaguers, going to get drafted. They're not in with the general population of guys that are looking to get, you know, maybe get a Division One scholarship, maybe. Um, you know, go to a division three school or something like that. There's, you know, there are showcases, there are tournaments with summer league teams. And, uh, and most of the time those kids are hoping to get recruited. Uh, guys like trout are 
guys who, uh, you know, usually don't have to attend that, that many events and they're more for the high profile, you know, are they a first rounder or are they a fifth rounder type type deal at a high school? Right. So, um, yeah. if I came across him, I did not even notice. Didn't, didn't even, even know it because because it. it wouldn't even register on my radar that I would have a chance at a guy who's, you know, who's like that. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, all right. That's awesome. Well, good luck to uh, good luck to the Cyclones this year. Um, you know, uh, look for that uh, for for folks listening. Look for that topic coming up uh, coming up. Uh, in the in the Facebook groups, because uh, if you have any ideas for uh, for Scott and the Cyclones to try out, um, you know, throw it out there and and let's get this conversation started. Absolutely, and if we do get some takers, you know, I I, I think it would be great to maybe track our progress or implementation of different strategies, maybe on our on our website or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, fantastic. Uh, I wanna I wanna throw it over to Matt. You know, folks who listen to uh, Effectively Wild, I would say that most of them uh, are, are, you know, baseball prospectus uh, readers and have uh, and and have read or purchased the uh, the baseball prospectus annual in uh, in previous years. Um, it's it's one of my favorite things in the year uh, to to get the book in February or March. Uh, this year it's coming out in February, and uh, just go through all the chapters and really get ready for spring training. Read up on all the teams and read up on all the players and, and the whole nine yards. Um, but uh, Matt, for the first year, you contributed to the Baseball Prospectus Annual. Uh, what what was that like? How did that process happen? Well, I mean, I started with the site not long after the cycle of writing the annual last year ended mm-hmm. so it wasn't even something that they really talked to me about very much at first uh i was just you know trying to keep up with the article demand mm-hmm. and then one day sam miller just dropped an email in my inbox said uh white Sox and twins sound okay for player comments this year and it was you know it's completely nonchalant because that's all it is if you've already done this two or three times or six times like Sam has or whatever. Uh, but that was a fun day for me, just realizing, oh, yeah, going to be in the book. This book <laughs> that, you know, we all obsess over every year. It's a very cool moment. So, yeah, it, it feels great. What was what was even the subject line of that email? Like annual question mark or or just like, hey? You know, I don't remember, but I would bet you it was nothing because Sam <laughs> sends a fair number of no subject emails. Wow! I don't want to roll him under the bus, but he does. <laughs> this is another. Uh, we're we're just adding another layer to the mystery of, to the mystery of Sam Miller. Why? Why? Why no subject line? Huh. <laughs> when the when the Internet explorers of the future are pouring over the remnants of the Internet. Uh, they they will wonder why this person sent so many with no subject. Um, anyway, uh, that's that's really cool. And uh, did you write the the essay for any teams? Yeah. So on top of the White Sox and Twins comments, or we lock in the rosters on a certain date. I can't remember, like the end of September, I mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. Um, because so the players of... the players are always listed for their previous team, correct? Right. Yeah. So like I I didn't write Todd Frazier's comment. That'll show up in the White Sox chapter, but whatever the case might be. Yeah. Um, I wrote those two 
chapters worth of comments and then the Marlins team essay, which was a felt like a big responsibility. I was very nervous about that because it's important to properly knock down the Marlins every year. And I was <laughs> I was surprised they gave that task to a rookie, but hopefully I carried it off. I am I am looking forward to the to the Matt Trueblood Marlins takedown. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it. I relished it. I think you can feel it in the writing. Very, very awesome. And uh, and you also contributed to uh, to another annual publication this year. Yeah, yeah. So this is just a sort of out of left field thing, but uh, Lindy's annual baseball preview. It's just the magazine that you can get at Walgreens or your local grocery store or whatever. Um, they asked me to put together this sort of workup of several different topics and just sort of take an analytical viewpoint and, and talk to a broader audience. Obviously this is, it, I kind of, I probably wrote it more analytically than even they would have expected. Although they, they seem to like what they got, but um, it's for people who pick baseball magazines up in grocery stores. So it should be, fun and sort of good reading no matter your level of familiarity with sabermetrics Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's that's another cool thing i i had this this phase where i was a baseball season preview completist (laughs) and i would buy six or seven magazines every year so i didn't feel like i was missing anything Uh um and lindy's was always one of those so it's it's another thing that's kind of cool to instead of just being a customer to be a contributor. No, that's awesome. How did that how did that one come about? I am a uh, I am uh well, I passed Lindy's reader for uh for baseball and basketball. Um but how did how did uh, how did that opportunity come about? Uh basically Sam was writing two books at once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> two years ago they had Sam do basically the same thing. Oh, I see. Okay. Um and when they went to him this year, he was too busy for it so kind of got the sloppy seconds there but (laughs) i will take it every time does that mean you're hot on the tails of sam miller now if you're just following in his footsteps and that's that's not uh, as bad company to be following (laughs) it's it was very flattering to get you know that sam even thought of me and sort of redirected them my way uh you know i think it's just he was looking for somebody who might be able to cover it and do it. It was a fairly tight turnaround and kind of a lot of words. That's something I'm generally good at. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, any other uh, any other writing that uh, we should be looking forward to, Matt? Outside of the uh, outside of the rubbing mud, Kyle. Well, I guess I I failed to mention off the top uh, BP Wrigleyville, but nah, yeah. most people know that I I write there too. And might be ticking up on that. You know, we're still kind of unsettled with Sahad of Sharma having run off to greener pastures, I guess. We, <laughs> he won't even tell us what he's actually doing, so who knows. I've been, uh, I can't I've trust been anxiously I've been anxiously awaiting that announcement. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of where but he's in the meantime, write uh Ryan Watts kinda of do a great job with the site. I'm very excited to still be a part of it and might be doing more with it this coming year. But we're just going to have to kind of wait and see. We're still still smoothing out that landscape after the earthquake that was Sahadev's departure. Uh, just leaves 
leaves everything in rubble in his wake. I know. Uh, Nothing but destruction. Nothing but yeah. I love you, Sahada. I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know about Matt. I can't speak for Matt. He's he is phenomenal. He's he's way too into craft beer, but <laughs> I, I, everybody has their thing, and if that's his thing, then there are worse things. We uh we will will not get into uh too deep into craft beer discussion uh right now. This is this is not up and in, but yes, that is noted. Um. All right. Uh, I wanna I, I wanna do a, a little a little trivia game here if y'all are game for it. Um, this uh, 2016 is the anniversary, 20 year anniversary of the first uh, the first baseball prospectus annual, uh, which which came out in uh, as a preview to the 1996 season. Um, so all of the projections and the player comments were based on uh, 1995 stats. Um, and uh, Matt, you had a you have a fun fact about the uh, the baseball prospectus 1996 annual. Yeah, and it occurs to me now that I hope I'm 100 percent right. I hope I have the team <laughs> right and everything, but I'm pretty sure about this. I've heard the story from a few of the co-founders of bp but uh that first book when it came out in print in 1996 didn't include the st louis cardinals uh if you ask me best team to leave off if you have to (laughs) but uh that obviously didn't go over that well and so it actually forced them to create and then aggressively develop the website uh so a lot of them feel like it was maybe the best thing for them but uh that's a it's a funny thing and and when you see the ninety six annual in print, it was like white cover, black block lettering. It was clearly the kind of operation that might miss the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> so uh yeah, it's, it's very interesting history. Awesome. Uh all right, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm I'm I've gone through the annual. I found a few fun things. Uh, I'm also going to to continue kind of skimming through a couple of these pages as we're doing it um, to to maybe find some interesting projections, either for uh, uh, things that went right or things that went wrong or funny comments. Uh, and it's up to uh, Matt and Scott to guess the uh, to guess who they're talking about, uh, who, who this comment or this projection is for. Um, a couple of things that, uh, that I have to kind of remember at this point, the Brewers are still in the American League um, <laughs> at this point in the American League Central. Um, there are not yet, uh, at, at this point, the Arizona Diamondbacks and Tampa Bay Rays, Tampa Bay Devil Rays at that point did not yet exist. Um, and uh, the the Angels no longer did not have their cumbersome name at this point. They were the California Angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Astros were still in the National League. And the Astros right. are still in the National League. You know what? That's uh, and that's actually something that I still on occasion forget. Um, I know. So. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so apologies on that. Um, all right. Uh, as we were um, 
as as we were prepping for this, the one uh, requirement for these players is that they have to have some sort of uh, 2016 Q score. So it it can't be some some rando minor leaguer who never really made it. Um, has to be someone who people will recognize. Okay, all right. Here here is the first player comment from the 1996 uh, player annual. Try and guess the player. Skinny swingman who has good control of the corners of the strike zone. His K rate seemed to jump up a little as of late. And if that's development rather than a fluke, this kid could really be something special. Looks way too skinny to be durable, but you never know. I have a guess. I, I have a guess too. It jumped right to mine. Go ahead, Matt. You you. No, it first. Scott, you can go first. Uh, I'm going to go with Pedro. Who, by the way, we didn't even mention the Montreal Expos still exist. Oh, yeah, them too. <laughs> My uh, guess Pedro. is Mariano. Mm. Matt, you got it. It's Mariano yeah. Rivera. Yes. He uh, he made his debut with the Yankees in uh, in 95 and started a few games, uh, if I recall. Um, if but... the annual started two, maybe three years earlier, yeah, then could have described yes. Pedro. Yes, sure. yes, yes, yes. Um. This player was projected to hit 16 home runs with a 253, 359, 391 slash. Uh, his actual for 1996 was 297 average, 396 on base, 637 slugging, and 50 home runs. So the projection took him, project, projected for 16 homers, and about uh, about 750 OPS, actual 50 homers, and uh, 1,034 OPS. I'm trying to cheat and just remember who hit 50 in 96. Right, right, right. But, um, I mean, the only person that jumps out to me that, like, super overperformed would have been Brady Anderson. That's Brady Anderson. It is. <laughs> it it is Brady Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> the White Sox signed him, half hoping he'd scab for them. And when he made it clear he wasn't too interested in scabbing, the organization cited this as another one of the players' quote bad attitude. Nevertheless, the Sox said he just needed time to iron out his control problems. They were wrong. The Brewers picked him up, saying they'd spotted a flaw in his delivery, easily corrected, which would solve his problems. They were wrong. <laughs> when a player has to publicly deny he isn't the second coming of Brad the Animal Leslie, it should tell you which way his career is going. He'll be a non-roster invitee for the Cubs this spring. Oh. Uh, so, right, I'm thinking he's got to be someone who actually played for the Cubs. Then, um, he he. So maybe maybe not. Maybe he didn't make the clubs out of because so, if, if his if his career ended at that point, I'm. Uh, so the so the so the quote unquote bad attitude is is a little key here. Um, mm. He pitched. Uh, he did pitch a long time and and famously for uh, for one of these teams and won a, for one team and won a World Series with them. Okay, so we can eliminate Cubs then. Yeah, 
Well, uh, it, before this, before this, he won. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Previously, had pitched for, had pitched most recently uh, for Brewers, White Sox, and then before then for the team that he won the World Series with. Good lord! Position is listed as publicity stunt. <laughs> <laughs> This is a thing. Uh, 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 he was a nasty boy. I, that'll give it away. Oh, Mitch Williams. Was it, it wasn't Mitch Williams. It was not yeah. Mitch Williams. Oh, he didn't was ever it, win uh, one. He gave one away. What am I thinking? <laughs> yeah. Was it Dibble then? Yeah, it's Rob Dibble. Oh, man. man. I missed Anderson and Dibble. All right. <laughs> I knew, I got a lot of help with Dibble. Hey, you got Mariano. We're, <laughs> I thought we were going to get shut out from this trivia thing the way that uh, These the are well chosen. Went. I like yes, that comment. Yes. You can almost – I love the early BP was like 40% barbs at the owners about the 94 <laughs> strike. Like they hated the owners, man. They were they were largely a labor organization when when they started. All right, Colorado Rockies. Gotta like that trend in age. This player poked thirty six extra base hits and four hundred twenty seven at bats in New Haven, and is only twenty one next year. EQA has steadily risen over three years. The Rockies seem to seem to actually have themselves a bona fide prospect. He needs to learn not to swing at anything within a three-county area, but it looks very promising for this player who could be ready to take over in Coors when Walt Weiss's new two-year deal is up. Hmm. Uh, a Rocky shortstop? What, I mean, I, I assume that you pick a lot of these for the the like the ironic twist that, that comes at the end. <laughs> Um, I have a guess. I have a guess. Uh, Matt, do you have any? I don't want to. I, I think I jump. throw something he, out. But he, yeah, he, he is this. This player ended up playing for the Cubs uh, at some oh. point. Okay, that uh, actually strengthens my guess. What do you got, Eric Young? It is uh, Scott. What's your guess? Nafi Perez. Ah, Scott, you got it. Ah, that's so much better too. Eric Young would have been a boring pick. Right. Uh, the Eric Young player comment. While I'm on this page, a common problem: a bat that's good enough if he can play the more demanding defensive position well, but not enough to play the easier defensive position. Will have a nice little career now, probably comparable to Jerry Brown, very similar to Terry Steinbach. Everything low in the zone is pulled. Everything up goes the other way without any pop at all. There's definitely a Dwight Evans influence in that swing. Okay. It might have been too easy if I went with the uh, has a projection system named after him, right? There aren't very <laughs> many of those. Um, I would have guessed Bill Picota, though. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> um... All right, we'll do. Uh, I'll try and find two more. One of Tony Larusa's media targets, trademark. He hits like crazy. He hit like crazy in the minors with a bunch of walks, some occasional power, and a generally looping stroke. Will hit like crazy in the majors too. The only question is whether or not his glove will survive the test of fire at third base, or whether he'll be stuck behind 
this team's current first baseman. His release of the ball is a bit slow on throws. Sometimes the fix for this causes a lot of elbow and, and shoulder injuries. See Molitor, Paul. I'll put him at third, and I hope Art Howe does the same. So Art Howe, there's a clue. Oh, oh, oh yeah. okay, okay, okay. Right. I, I think I have a guess. Let me... Um... All right, Larusa on his way out of Oakland. Is that am I? Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> well, <laughs> then the only third baseman between Carney Lansford and Josh Donaldson that would even register with a Q score that I could think of would be Scott Brocious. Oh, I was going to guess Eric Chavez. Oh well, yeah. Geez, how could I forget Chavez? Yes. Well, might have been a better guess than Chavi, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel well. You're, yeah, you're, I think it was here. You're both wrong. It was Jason Giambi. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> listed uh, listed as third base slash first base uh, in, in here. Uh, um, well. <laughs> projected for projected for two sixty eight, three sixty nine, four fifteen, and eleven homers in nineteen ninety six. Wow. The, uh, yeah, I guess if you forget that he threw right-handed. <laughs> the Brocious the player comment, finally arrived in 1995, had a fantastic year at Huntsville in 1990. That's just out of the reach of the chart above. Useful spare part, can play corner outfield positions passably, as well as third in a pinch, and in a pinch second. Yeah, great guy to have on the ball club. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like Scott Brocious. It does. It's an apt description of Scott Brocious. It's much more boring, and therefore I would have gone to Scott Brocious much faster. Um, I don't know if I don't know if this means anything to you, Scott. But the George William. But do you remember George Williams at all? George Williams. I I only mention I only mention this player because his position is listed as catcher slash martyr <laughs> slash martyr. <laughs> no, I, I I do not remember him. I can't say that I do. Over the next four years, if he plays full time, will probably be one of the top two or three catchers in the American League. Wow. Yeah, didn't happen, huh? That's unfortunate. Could, Maybe used... he just didn't play enough. Maybe that's all. Yeah, right, was. right. If he pl- was, if he plays full time, if he plays right. full time, four, three, or four years. Oh boy! So you're sitting on a gold mine there, and you won't play him, huh? Ow! <laughs> Come on, buddy. That's why they made you look like an idiot in Moneyball. <laughs> I love this comment for Joey Cora, a generic major league second baseman trademark. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 I'm not going to do this one. This one would be too easy. A truly great ball player, but a lousy center fielder, despite his reputation, should be in left field or right field, is the beginning of that player comment. You can guess as I search for another one. Trying to think of who BP would have considered. I mean, they're not trashing Griffey at that point, are they? They are indeed trashing Griffey at this point. Wow. Oh. Yeah, I mean, he he was... his. Defensive prime was very short, but huh? Ah, oh, what? 
Uh, what a shitty comment. Come on. <laughs> Almost certain to win a slot in the rotation, although he got pasted in the AFL. Come on. Who cares? It's Latroy Hawkins, by the way. But yeah. like, but I wanted yeah. I wanted Hawkins because he was in every one. Yep. Yep. Um, but for the record, that's the first. That's the first Latroy Hawkins comment. <laughs> in case anyone ever wanted to know. <laughs> yes, comment. Okay. 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 Last one. So much has been said already that the only addition should be to point out that for entertainment value, baseball could use more big windups. He's almost a one-pitch pitcher, but what he can do with his forkball is more than most pitchers can do with an assortment. Oh, 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 oh. Um, uh, 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 all right, I, I, I have a guess. I have a guess. <sighs> Okay, I have a guess too. Scott, go first. Uh, you go ahead, Matt. Come on. <laughs> Take it home. I All think right. we're on the same guy. I I don't think we're on the same guy. Uh. <laughs> right, I'm just, I'm just trying to reach back for forkball specialists, and I seem to remember Rick Aguilera doing that. Wait, he doesn't have any. T- Never mind. All right. I know that's not right, but that's my guess. <laughs> what's uh, what's Hideo your guess? Nomo? Oh, of ah, it's Nomo. I, it's Nomo. Course. I was I was uh, trying to go down the fork ball line too. I'm like, I'm never going to remember who threw fork ball 20 years ago. But then and I was like, the wind up, <laughs> the wind up, the wind up. So I actually could remember a few, and I thought I was picking the most famous. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, it's probably not Jeff Facero, <laughs> but. Yeah. Oh, pretty no big Q score off Facero. Yeah. 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 The uh, the player comment for Rick Aguilera mentions the word forkball twice. Uh, <laughs> he's lived almost entirely on his forkball, but as a starter, he'll have to take his fastball slider and curve out of the attic. There are two ways to think about this move to rotation. Either he won't be able to do it, in which case he'll still be helpful as one of the AL's best closers, or with the careful attention to his workload, or used with careful attention to his workload, he could do it. Unfortunately, the injuries were always caused by the stress of having to throw too many fork balls, and he hasn't stopped doing that. Yep. That was yeah. back when they were converting closers to starters. At least I successfully identified a fork baller. I feel good about it. <laughs> <that. laughs> yes. A fork baller from 20 yeah, years yes, ago, bravo. too. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, that was fun. Um, well, well, uh, perhaps we'll do that again sometime. Uh, perhaps we won't. More likely, I want to. I want to strongly encourage people. Um, and the Defensive Indifference podcast laid a great foundation for this last year. Uh huh. The BP annual drinking game with the current annual is lots of fun. You just read a player's comment, redact, you know, the most important names, you know, or organization. Sometimes, if that would make it too easy, and. It's just a drinking game. See who, see if you can, you know, one person asks to another, they guess it right, you know, the whole thing. But they, they did an amazing podcast just doing that last year. And I think everybody could have fun, even without recording it, uh, doing the same thing. Even without recording it. I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. All right. All right. Uh, thank you for indulging me on that, uh, you guys. That, that was a lot of fun.
the uh, the nineteen ninety six annual um, is available for free online. Um, I'll post a I'll post a link in the Facebook group, and you can uh, look back and with twenty years of hindsight and say, "Baseball Perspectives, you got some things wrong." Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, we do that. Uh, we we do that one year in advance often, so it's fine. But I, I want to uh, do a do a wrap up question here, um, and it's that um, I, there's there's one thing that I remember. Uh, I, I'm I'm also a, I'm also an NBA fan, um, in addition to to being a baseball fan. And during the uh, during the the basketball lockout a few years ago. Uh, ESPN ran a series of posts about ways to make basketball better um, and way to, ways to make the NBA better. Um, and in that same vein, they recently posted a, uh, a set of recommendations to, uh, to help baseball. Um, they call it MLB 2.0, Reimagining Baseball. Um, they, all, their whole stable of writers... Um, wrote up, uh, you know, wrote up their ideas about things like, uh, robot, um, robot umpires, banning the save statistic, mandatory dugout to dugout netting. Uh, Christina Carl, formerly of, of Baseball Prospectus said to, uh, find new homes for, uh, for the A's and, and Rays. Sorry, Scott, uh, unless they move to New Jersey. In <laughs> right. Hey, bring them. <laughs> I'll even go to Hackensack to watch them play. <laughs> to watch the Ace, the Hackensack <laughs> Athletics. There you go. Um, but uh, I want to throw I want to throw it over to you guys. What are what are your uh, baseball ideas? What what are the if if you had a magic wand and could change one thing in in uh, baseball, what would you do with your magic wand, Scott? I'll throw it over to you first. Uh, well, I'll start off by saying I don't, I don't think baseball is broken, and I don't think that it needs to be, you know, necessarily fixed in any in any real way. Uh, but I think little adjustments are always good. Um, and I, I think I think this is actually something that you know has been covered time and time again. But but pace of play, and there's a million different ways to attack pace of play. But um, I've always thought that one of the things that really slows down a game and uh, and sometimes gets abused is the uh, the endless catcher pitcher meetings on the mound. So I think it's a way that you're not you're not necessarily instituting any kind of you know you don't have to have special robots that are perfectly calibrated for the strike zone. Um, you know you don't have to completely you know you're not even messing with the DH, which is a hot topic or anything like that. Uh, it's just a matter of listen if you want to go talk to your pitcher on the mound, that's a trip. You know, and each team is allotted three free trips but you can only do two trips to the same pitcher in an inning. And I think if you do that with a pitching coach, you should be able to do that with the catcher. And I think it, it forces teams to kind of get on the same page in the dugout before they ever take the field. And it really reduces the whole, um, you know, I think when, when the crunch time hits, I think that's when things start to get really slowed down strategically. But then you also add in that element of the pitcher and the catcher continuously going back and forth. And, uh, I think they have to kind of figure it out from 60 feet away from each other. Yeah, I I like that. Um, I have always kind of wondered if 
you know, or I guess at what point we'll see teeny tiny earbud in the pitcher's ear and the catcher's ear and when they need to communicate, maybe they even have microphones too. Otherwise, the dugout is just, you know, the manager is talking to them mm-hmm. um, to eliminate those conferences altogether. Obviously, you're still going to have guys kind of standing and listening for a minute. Um, but it just seems like a practical solution that saves the walking, saves the appearance of inaction, and probably increases the efficiency of communication throughout the game, throughout the at-bat, you know, all the way around. So, I don't know. I like that idea. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. I would mess with the DH, mm. and I would put the DH in the National League okay. <laughs> um, because I – that's just – that's my hobby horse right now. Um, and I know it's a, a percolating topic in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, pitchers are just such god-awful and atrocious hitters at this point. We um, can't all be Ned Garver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, well, it, you know. Or Madison Bumgarner. There's something fun about Madison Bumgarner and Zach Greinke and Tyson Ross, who's... Mm-hmm average exit velocity on batted balls was actually higher than his average fastball velocity this year. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's cool. That's a fun fact. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, it's outweighed at this point, not only by the number of pitchers who are terrible hitters, but just I know that there are some people who really enjoy the, the strategy, you know, the, the idea of double switching or when do you or don't you pull your pitcher for a pinch hitter. I'm of the belief that as we grow into this world where pitchers are always out, you know, early in the third time through the order anyway, that it those decisions are basically automatic. If you're not making them automatically, you're making them wrongly. Um, and so it's really just, it's sort of a sideshow and it interrupts the flow of offense and it, it definitely puts NL teams at this enormous market disadvantage where it's harder for them to buy into the corner outfielder who might age out of being able to play that position in two or three years. Uh, it's harder for them to value almost anything as highly. Because, you know, even to be in the American League as a pitcher, you have to be a better pitcher because you don't get a break every ninth batter faced, um, at least a starting pitcher. So an American League team, if they have the same, you know, same resources to allocate, will always be able to pay more for certain skills and like and fade players' flaws more, whereas National League teams have to get super well-rounded players. Otherwise, they're up against it for all these sort of different reasons. Or you know, There's just less marginal value in a good pitcher in the National League. There's less value in that slugger who might lose his ability to play a position in the National League. There are so many things that put NL teams at this fundamental disadvantage when they're all competing in the marketplace for the same players or exchanging the same players. Uh, I just think in the long run, it, it has to happen. I'm okay with the idea that it's happening slowly because it's the nature of baseball. And this particular issue is, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not important at all that it changed. So I'm not going to hop up and down screaming mad, but I do think it needs to change I hope it happens soon. I probably don't expect it to happen next year, but I'll be happy if it does. But Matt, what about strategy? What about tradition? <laughs> uh, that's all I got. Yeah. Well, and 
like I said, there are elements of those arguments that are valid. I just think at this point they're overstated and they sort of ignore the modern reality of how we use pitchers and what pitchers are like at the plate and how offense works too. So, and I would, and I would like Kyle Schwarber to get more at bats. Um, but that's a selfish reason. That is, that <laughs> well, is, it, that is selfish reasoning. Honestly too, I would just like, and I, I wish more American league teams would evolve into this, but just players to play less like we're seeing in the NFL and the NBA the way that they're adjusting to the fact that their game is more physically demanding than ever is that players are, are taking more plays off, taking more time off. And baseball players don't really have that option in the same way, at least not position players. Pitchers were already doing that. Pitchers pitch shorter outings all the time. But if there were a way to cycle 10 position players, you know, nine or 10 position players through what, you know, through everything by having people rotate through the DH slot, give them half a day off, that kind of thing. I think teams should be doing that more aggressively, even where the DH does exist. But I hope that it expands to the NL so we get more opportunities to see that happen. True, true. Uh, Scott, I know you're an American League fan, you're an A's fan, um, but DH in the NL, yes or no? Uh, well, I, I, I actually hold the very, very unpopular opinion that it would be interesting to actually eliminate the dh in the al whoa uh, <laughs> radical um, yes i know crazy uh because one it, it actually tackles a number of the issues that matt just brought up you're talking about competitive um you know fairness and, and balance as long as it's fair as long as it's even then it really doesn't matter whether you're al or nl whether you have dh or not as long as everybody's doing it um but as far as you know phasing guys out and, and keeping you know legitimate hitters at the plate and and illegitimate hitters pitching where they belong um i don't mind i really like the david and goliath um every ninth batter kind of thing every once in a while um it, you know it's it's very hard for me to uh dislike um seeing bartolo cologne hitting and knowing he has no chance of getting a hit and then he gets a hit yeah. you know and i i think that you know and believe, i'm not i'm not real I realize that that will never ever happen. Uh, we're not going to go backwards as, as on that on that topic, but uh, it's not going to break my heart to see them go to the DH. I'm not someone who clings to it like a tradition. It's more that I just kind of like the fact that you do have a major weak link in your lineup, and how do you manage that weak link? Do you do you, you know? Uh, you can call it the strategy argument, but. Um, that you know we're we are imperfect each team is imperfect and and maybe it's the kind of thing where maybe you know the new um uh market inefficiency is pitchers who can actually do something offensively you know and that maybe starts to create some value or at least put some some pressure hey everybody can shut down hitters now because everything's turning towards the the pitching side of things uh what about a pitcher who can actually swing it a little bit just just a thought just to to stir the drink a little bit yeah, well, I mean, Zach Greinke, there's a theory, at least, that Greinke got more this winter because of his non-pitching value as a fielder and as a hitter. But, um, you know, yeah, why not? there's yeah. probably something to that. Yeah. As long as the rule is in place, you might as well exploit it. And it is interesting when teams can. I just think the cases of that are so few and far between that that's harder to do than ever. Yeah, but the, right. the David and Goliath thing, the whole creating a sort of built-in challenge to overcome 
I do get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also enjoy watching David Ortiz hit for the last, you know, 10 years and have his <laughs> sure. moments. That's, yeah. you know, and, but, but I guess then, then the other David and Goliath is you have a guy like that out in the field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you get to see, yeah, you get to see a little bit of a circus. To watch for whatever reason. <laughs> like Pedro Alvarez playing first base is not, right. there's right. nothing enjoyable about that. Right. Even from a, Oh my goodness, we are all human kind of perspective. <laughs> right. Oh, maybe I should throw mine out there. I guess mine is uh mine is a uh uh a draft reform where you would and and this this isn't necessarily uh a deal with how the game of baseball is played, but really getting all players um onto the same sort of talent acquisition level. Um, whether it's you have an international draft or whether it's you have the international free-for-all, um, or I believe it was David Cameron's proposal where he said uh, having your pool amount of, of, uh, of rookie signings based on your record the previous year, um, some process like that to get everybody on the same level. I actually, uh, if, if I were to choose between the two, I think I would choose Cameron's proposal. Of having the uh, of having the pool, and then you can sign uh, uh, American players or international players from that same pool. Yeah, that would be be fascinating. I, it's not going to happen because owners like the way they have cost controlled right now. But of course, yeah. but magic wands, magic yes, wands. Man. That's right. Magic yeah. wands can do lots of things. Yes, indeed. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much both for uh, for being on with us today. We'll we'll do one more round real quick of uh, where we can find you on the internet, what you have uh, what you have coming up in terms of writing or <laughs> writing or uh, or other ventures coming up on the internet. Uh, Matt, we'll go over to you first. Okay, uh, at ma trueblood on Twitter, baseball prospectus and BP Wrigleyville should have multiple pieces at each site this week actually uh otherwise the bp annual coming out soon right now you can pre-order it i think still for under 16 bucks which if you haven't done yet why not um and then the lindy's baseball guide the next time you're stuck in a long line at the supermarket (laughs) fantastic thanks matt uh send over to scott all right. Uh, once again, my Twitter is sl underscore kush k u s h or cc baseball, and uh, I haven't put anything out recently. I'm certainly not the prolific writer that uh, that Matt is, but uh, but hopefully I'll have a lot of new posts uh, coming up with some of these suggestions and implementations of strategies from from our listeners. So hopefully I look forward to seeing those and writing about them and and implementing them, and hopefully you guys can enjoy it as well. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm, forward, to I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, uh, I'm Brandon Lee. You can find me at Blee Internets, B-L-E-E Internets, like more than one internet on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm also frequently in the Effectively Wild and Banished to the Pen Facebook groups. Um, you should uh, follow Banished to the Pen on, on Twitter at banished to, banished to Pen and also Banished to the Pen dot com uh we'll have team previews coming up in uh in february and in march so uh keep an eye out for those in the meantime like us on like us on facebook banish to the pen follow us on twitter check out the website 
and uh and uh yeah uh hit us up if you've never written for us before uh hit us up shoot us an email and uh and we'll we'll be happy to get your get your stuff up uh thank you once again matt and scott and thank you to ken uh who's gonna edit this all together and uh take out all of the 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 stuff that we don't want you to hear um uh but thank you all once again and remember be nice to your fellow listeners hello baseball fans and welcome to episode 44 of the effectively wild pod. oh my god we're not effectively wild whoa i am oh my god okay Okay, we're I keeping really that gotta, right. We're I, keeping that. I really got a test right there. That's right. I, I, That's I really a great gotta, test. I really got to clear my head here. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> okay. That go that goes on the little outtakes clip at the end, yeah, right? Yeah, it it probably yes. will. It probably will. Okay. <laughs>